Hello, I'm Rena Grobe. And I'm Madvi Romani. And this is Misinformed, a show where we'll be talking about our latest internet obsessions. So Rena, what did you get obsessed with this week? Before we dive into this week's episode, we just wanted to let you know that we have launched a Patreon. If you appreciate our work and would like to support us, we would love it if you became a patron. You will find more information along with our complete statement on our Instagram, and we will also include the link to our Patreon in the show notes. By becoming a patron, you will get exclusive access to the list of all the articles and books we reference in each episode. Thank you very much, and now... Here is the episode. I don't know if you guys all saw, but two German TV hosts called Joko and Klaas released a video on ProSieben called Menavit, which in English is man's world or a man's world. I have to admit that I'm not all too familiar with Joko and Klaas. I know who they are, but I've never really seen their TV show and I don't fully understand why ProSieben just gave them 15 minutes to do whatever they want. I'm also very curious to know what exactly the stipulations were to this. Could they really do whatever they wanted or were there some things where ProSieben would pull the plug? Very confusing. But nevertheless, they got their 15 minutes. And what they decided to do with it was they decided to make a video about sexual harassment online. And in this video, they have a series of women ranging from journalists to influencers to TV show hosts leading us through sort of like a museum of dick pics and reading us nasty comments that were left on their Instagram. The video is exclusively women. And interestingly, it's almost exclusively white straight, able-bodied, thin women. I must say that I don't really know for a fact that they're all straight, so the assumption here is that they all are. So after watching the video, I sort of sat there for a while because something about the video made me incredibly uncomfortable, and I couldn't quite pinpoint what it was. And so I went online and I started googling and seeing if there was anyone else who sort of felt weird or critical or just generally had a less than favorable opinion on this video. And I was incredibly surprised to see that almost everyone was reacting incredibly positively to this video, which confused me because it just left me feeling so uncomfortable. And then one of the lovely women who is in my book club sent an article in which this woman looks at the video. It's on a blog called ZF Medienwissenschaften, and it's by Louise Heitz. So one of the very first things that she points out is that Yoko and Klaas and just generally men are missing completely from this video. Now I know that a lot of the times people will make the critique that women want to speak for themselves and that maybe it's great that men are giving the you know, the stage to women, letting women talk about their own experiences, which in general, yeah, I absolutely agree with. I think that we don't need men to speak for us. It's nice to have agency to be able to tell your own story. But she points out that in this case, they have removed themselves completely from the conversation and also from criticism. They've sort of delegated this to being a woman's topic to be dealt with by women. And she sort of notes that the embodiment of the perpetrator is completely missing from the video. And that sort of got me thinking about when I watched the video, the thing that really stuck out to me, it felt like a lot of emotional labor was being done by women here 
to explain to men why what they were doing was wrong. Like everything we'd said previously wasn't taken seriously until a man had given us the space to be taken seriously. And I just sat there thinking, I can't believe it's 2020 and a video has to be made where women explain to men why sending dick pics is wrong. Why are we asking women to relive this terrible thing that's like a daily reality for a lot of women? We're asking them to be stoic, to be calm in the face of sexual violence, all with the purpose of educating men on why they shouldn't do this. I think it's really cool that these two guys got 15 minutes to do whatever they want on primetime TV and gave it over to women to discuss issues that affect women that's great and it would have annoyed me to be honest if they had presented the whole topic because women speaking their own experiences their voice however ProSieben is a mainstream pretty sexist channel there are a lot of problems with a lot of things on ProSieben as is pointed out in one of the articles they send women to test water slides and tiny bikinis and this kind of stuff so it's pretty mainstream sexist so the show felt like it was talking to a very male audience or a mainstream audience because for women I mean we know that we get dick pics we know that it's scary walking home at night we know that we can get touched or abused or just reduced to our bodies and verbally abused abused online all the time, every day. So it felt like it was highlighting the issue for maybe men who don't realise what women's realities are, but also it was presented in a way that was so kind of removed. It presented the statistic, for example, that every single woman in Germany, so half of women, have experienced sexual assault or abuse in some way, which is a shocking statistic. But I think most women, especially after Me Too happened, and all the hashtags I saw at that time were just Me Too, Me Too, Me to from almost every single woman I knew. For women, we know this and we live it. And so it was interesting that it was highlighting this issue, but it felt like the whole thing was maybe for men who didn't know that their behavior sucked. It was a little bit like pull-out culture in a way, or public shaming that we talked about last week. So you get these ridiculous text messages from men who are like, hey, you wanna fuck? And the woman is like, no. And then they're like, oh, you're a dirty whore anyway, and I'm gonna rape you or something. And when you read out these text messages just in this straight way, you're like, wow, that's totally unacceptable and maybe men can see just what women face on a daily basis. No, I mean, I completely agree with what you're saying. This video, the platform that it aired on, I don't want to make any sort of assumptions or generalizations about the people that watch Pulsiben, but I'm assuming that they're not reading feminist literature and engaging in critique of a patriarchal society. But it did just kind of feel like, did you not see Me Too happening? It was confusing because was it not enough for women to tell you how much their daily experience sucks? Did you really need another man to explain it to you? And maybe they do. Maybe the effects of living in a patriarchal society is that these men don't value women's opinions or don't take them seriously until a man tells them, which that's a whole nother problem. I can kind of see how the video potentially could reach men who until now haven't engaged with this, which seems crazy to me, but then and again, I live in a very different world. But as a woman watching this, I just was disappointed that that's what it takes. The journalist Anzufi Kella wrote a really wonderful Facebook poster about this, and she ended it with the words, way too fucking little, way too fucking late. And that sort of 
summarized how I felt about the entire thing from a perspective of a woman watching this. And she goes on to point out in her post that a society that closes their eyes to the horrors that women experience on a daily basis and only then listen when two cool mainstream bros, as she calls it, present the issue under their name is the biggest part of the problem. You said earlier on, oh, this is 2020, didn't Me Too happen? And the fact that 4 million people watched this, it went viral, trending on Instagram, and people were kind of calling it revolutionary in some way, that highlights the fact that we really haven't come that far since Me Too, which is a real shame because so many, so many, so many women spoke out. And it's still happening and seems to be still not a mainstream issue and they weren't really listened to. I also found the way that it was presented to be problematic is the wrong word, but it made me feel uneasy. Like I cringed at it. The fact that it's presented like a horror movie, like a, you know, it's kind of like a haunted house. It had this really scary atmosphere to it. In case the men watching this don't realize this is supposed to be a bad thing. Being a woman isn't scary enough. We have to make it super obviously scary so they don't miss it. And then I was really annoyed at the fact that, like I mentioned at the beginning, save for one, all of them were these like pretty young, thin, able-bodied white women. And it annoyed me because it felt like Yoko and class are aligning themselves with a very specific type of feminist, like a digestible version of feminism. There are no disabled women, there's no trans women, there's no fat women. It's the type of feminism that still fits into the sexist idea of what a woman should look like. And this isn't a critique of the women themselves because they have the right to look however they want but you can tell that they were all very strategically and specifically chosen to be in the video they're all pretty they're all beautiful and yeah you can make the argument okay that these are women in the society that have a platform but who do we choose to give a voice to there's a lot of women who experience far worse abuse than these women in the video say. And not to say that abuse or harassment is in any way a competition. All abuse, all harassment is terrible. But when you're only giving voice to a very specific group of people, you're just, they're aligning themselves with this feminism that makes them still socially acceptable. And there's this word in German that's scheinheilig, which means falsely holy or like playing at being holy. It's pretending to be something you're not. And to me, this video just kind of felt like lip service, a little bit like Natalie Portman and her cape at the Oscars. It was such a shallow version of feminism. Yeah, so the most amount of abuse is actually directed at queer women, trans women, and women of colour. And those types of women were not represented on the show. When you say the word digestible, I think that's what the show was. Because also the presentation of the show, the women were great, like the media professionals that were very smart, but it was kind of distanced. There was no emotion attached to it. There was no real body attached to it, if you know what I mean. So they had these great statistics, but how do you make people feel the statistic? And so in journalism and on TV in general, which is male-dominated, and in society in general, which is male-dominated, the body and emotion are delegated to women. So women are always seen as hysterical or over-emotional. They can't be trusted because they have no rationale. Their stories cannot be trusted because, you know, they're just thinking with their emotions and their bodies. And also we get reduced to our bodies, which is why violence is performed against our bodies. We are always judged by our bodies. When Adele, for example, there's this great meme going around this week, like she's won, I don't know how many 
awards. She's a singer-songwriter. She has a great voice. She's an artist. She's a mother. And all anyone focuses on now is the fact that she lost a load of weight because how can a woman be anything else apart from her body? But there is something strange about the way all of mainstream culture and journalism works. It tries to present everything in a kind of cold, objective way. And trauma is not that. Trauma is messy and you have to feel it and you feel it emotionally and in your body for the rest of your life. And maybe 15 minutes with this is just an idea and it would be kind of a revolutionary idea on the channel like prose even but i think about this a lot as a writer like how to present things or tell stories in a way that really is close to the realness of the experience rather than some sort of distance intellectualized way so if they spent maybe 15 minutes on how one specific woman was traumatized for the rest of her life because of one experience and how she felt it and not shy away from the emotion and the messiness and the complexity of the issue and just skip past it as they did on this program I think that might be more of an effective way of communicating exactly what it's like to be a woman and to be affected by this issue. Recently I've been reading Ronan Farrow's Catch and Kill, which Ronan Farrow was a journalist who broke the Me Too story and his sister accused his father Woody Allen of touching her at a young age. And what's really good about this book is that he really shows just how much his life and his sister's life was affected, you know, for the rest of their lives. Well, his sister, for example, doesn't keep her phone nearby because every time it rings, it makes her heart beat faster. If she picks up the phone and there's a male voice on the other end, it gives her terrible anxiety. She has to live with that for the rest of her life. doesn't matter how much therapy, anything, her father touched her when she was, like, seven years old. He took her up to the attic and abused her so when I was listening to it I almost started crying three times like on the road while I was walking and that is effective storytelling and this week in the New York Times for some reason there was an article about is Ronan Farrow too good to be true and the problems with what they call resistance journalism as opposed to normal journalism well by the way Ronan Farrow broke a massive story and won a Pulitzer Prize for it while the New York Times tried to break it before, but all they did was really implied that Weinstein had maybe abused his power a bit. Ronan Farrow went all the way with calling him out as a rapist and a serial sexual abuser and out on sexual assault. So that's just petty. I think we should examine the way that stories are told because the mainstream media is dominated by men and the way that things are presented are in this very kind of cold, rational way or rational, I mean, it's an illusion of rationality or like some sort of way that is not very good or very effective. You draw attention to something really important there. Who is worth listening to? What types of stories are worth being told and heard? And when is it okay to talk about things because you say the New York Times didn't break the story or didn't go all the way with the story sort of did a very surface level critique because there wasn't a big movement behind it Ronan Farrow on the other hand was incredibly emotionally invested in this so he just fucking dove in right he's like taking the sucker down and that's sort of the same thing here isn't it women have already done the emotional labor and the emotional work of through me too of talking about how all of this sucks so there's already a large base of media to sort of back up this video. So when they did it, it was, oh, okay, it's okay for us to critique this now. 
You know, they didn't do it right at the beginning when women started saying, hey, please don't send us dick pics, which another really interesting thing they mentioned in the video is, is that actually under German law, unsolicited dick pics are illegal. So in case you didn't watch the video or missed that, but they sort of had the social okay to talk about this subject. And like, maybe we need that to a certain extent. Maybe men need to be told it's okay for them to help women, but that really fucking sucks. That just sucks and that makes me so angry. Why is it not enough for us to be listened to? Why is it not enough for women to talk about their struggles? Why do we have to build a platform first for then men to get the credit? Like, were you not listening when all of us were screaming? Clearly you weren't. Yeah, like you said, there was actually really nothing new in this segment. And what I would have been really interested to see, one of the big problems with the Me Too movement was that NBC and a lot of media outlets, it's so systematic the way that sexism works in media is that, well, first of all, these women's stories don't matter. And also there are a lot of shitty men in media. As a journalist, there is a shitty media men list that women journalists have access to. And they're still working in a lot of news organizations. So you just know who is kind of a good guy and who is not. And what would have been interesting since it was supposed to be Joker and Klaus against media is if they highlighted the institutional sexism within media or also examine their own behavior and critique their own behavior. But instead, they chose to just do something quite well done, already done, and nothing new. If they really wanted to do some work around it and examine the issue properly and use their 15 minutes probably to induce more of a structural change, which is what we need in order to get more women's stories presented in a more effective way would be to actually go ahead and examine themselves and examine the structures of the media companies that they work for. What they absolutely didn't do is, like you said, acknowledge the structures that sort of allow this to happen, right? They put the blame on the common man who are the ones writing the hateful commentaries and sending the dick pics, but in no way did the video address the sort of culture and systematic structure that we live in that allows these things to flourish and also actively supports these men and also doesn't persecute them for their actions. It was a shifting of blame, kind of. It's not necessarily a shifting of blame in the sense of we're going to relieve the men who send these dick pics of their responsibility because they sent the dick pics, but more so in the sense of what culture have we fostered that makes it okay for men to send these dick pics? Because it's not just one instance. It happens all of the time to women of probably any age. So our society must somehow support these men in their dick pig sending. We've somehow given men the signal that it's okay. Why are we not critiquing that? This kind of structure was evident in the program. It was kind of schizophrenic in a way because, for example, right at the end of this 15 minutes, the last segment was about if they accuse anyone of rape or abuse. The first question they get asked by the system, so law enforcement, the police, in court, everyone, is what were you wearing? And obviously it doesn't matter what the hell you're wearing. It doesn't even matter if you're not wearing anything. You still can't be raped. It's a ridiculous argument. It doesn't matter. So then what they did was they took all the statistics of what people 
were wearing. It was collected by a woman's organization. And they dressed up dolls. Dolls in, in terms of women is just problematic because it's a literal objectification of a woman's body. But okay. They dressed up all these dolls and what people were in. Inevitably, obviously, most women were just wearing jeans and a top or a dress or just completely normal clothing. But the thing is, if it doesn't matter, it doesn't matter. Why are we even saying, well, yeah, but most of them were dressed in jeans and a top? And this is where the question of voice comes in, I think. Yes, the program was presented by women, but it was presented in a male-dominated media landscape on a channel that is pretty standard sexist, on a channel where men hold all the power, on a segment that was given over to men who then decided to make this an issue, and for an audience that is very mainstream. In trying to explain things to this mainstream audience, they were kind of decentering the experience. I think the experience should have been centered more on women and really what they wanted to say instead of arguing to a male-dominated audience. My high school best friend used to say something that has stuck with me, and she said that you cannot reason with people who do not argue with logic. You can't win against people who send dick pics because if they don't see women as human beings or don't respect them, then all of your arguments are going to fall flat because they just don't care. The funny thing was they weren't even making an argument against dick pics. They were just saying this is a thing that happens, which is kind of cool because it raises awareness, but they didn't go into... Why does it happen? What are the reasons that, you know, we've ended up in a society where men think that they can just do this? There was not a distinct story or emotion attached to the statistical cold presentation. And at the same time, there was not a critique of society or the channel that it was aired on. And I would argue that the way that this channel represents a lot of women is in part responsible for the culture that then leads to this kind of behavior. There was an article in the Frankfurter Rundschau by Sonja Thomasa, and she sort of ended her critique of this video by saying, men, I need you to talk to the women in your surroundings, and I want you to ask them what they have experienced. You need to open your eyes, you need to open your ears, and you need to open your mouth. And this is the only way that it's going to get better. And I think that the critique of saying, oh, you women, you wanted men as allies, and that's true. We do want men to participate in feminism, and in particular, we do want them to help us make it better. But you can do better. Be more involved, be more engaged, actively take the spaces that you occupy and make them feminist. Don't wait for women to have done all of the work until you join the conversation. And I think not only have conversations with the women in your lives, but have conversations with other men in your lives and listen to women and hold the men in your lives accountable for their actions and don't let them get away with doing the bare minimum to help the situation. And also, so listen to women and not just women that you're sexually interested in because that is also a massive problem in society. Men only give women the time of day if they are interested in them sexually. Listen to all women whether or not you're attracted to them. If you like this podcast, please rate us and subscribe on iTunes, Spotify or SoundCloud and share it with your friends. And if you like, you can share your internet obsession with us tweet us. I am at Rina underscore Grobe underscore and Madvi is at Madvi Romani. 
follow us on Instagram at the underscore ms underscore informed or shoot us an email misinformed.podcast at gmail.com. You will find links to our Twitter and Instagrams in our show notes, as well as links to all the content we have discussed this week. Until next time, thank you for listening.